Hi, I'm Desiree, and this is Sharga Love Stories. So this next guest needs no introduction. Literally, when I sat down to write one up, I was like, how do I even introduce this woman? I just never met anyone like her. For starters, she goes by the name Hippie, and she is one of the OG foreigners. Actually, the first female foreigner to ever set foot in Shargao over 20 years ago, and she hasn't left since. Everyone knows her, but those who don't, you can't miss her and her long blonde dreadlocks and bodybuilder freaking eight-pack bod. She's pretty much an establishment here in Shargao as the owner of Local Cafe on Cloud9, as well as the Sisters of Shargao Studio under SOS Gym. To be honest, it took a bit of convincing to get her on the podcast, but I was determined and, you know, I had my Leo ways. I just remember asking her, Hips, come on, just be on Shargao Love Stories with me, please. And she said, I don't have a love story. But to me, Hippie is love. She has this big personality, this ferocious lion heart, and she values loyalty and sisterhood with a fierceness I admire so much. She gives so much to the island community, and, you know, I see her, she loves her two little girls so deeply, working her ass off to provide for them like a wolf mother would to her pack. Her love may not be what you see in chick flicks or rom-coms, but it's there and it's wild and beautiful. In this episode, you are in for a treat. We talk about the hippie origins and her experiences and her past and present life in Shargao. We talk about the wild woman archetype, how to brave the wilderness as a single mother and stay true to yourself. We talk about the value and importance of sisterhood, especially on the island, and Hippie's definition of real love. Shit's about to get real, y'all, so I'm just so excited for it. I'm so stoked for this, and I'm so glad that you agreed to be our first guest for the second season of Shark Out Love Story. Yay, season two. <laughs> I'm loving, I want to describe our setup right now. We have uh, a bottle of wine that's like already half done. <laughs> Way over half finished. <laughs> We've almost polished it off. <laughs> we have a new space here at uh, Oido Studio inside Gawa Gawa. Um, how are you feeling? Like, what is your, how are you feeling today? What's your vibe right now? Uh, after about a half a bottle of wine, feeling pretty <laughs> chilled. But uh, I had to say on my way over here, I was a bit like, what am I getting into? Because I'm really not the best internet-y technology person. So I actually stopped on the way and my friend's like, where are you going? Why do you look so dressed up? I said, oh, I'm going to go and do a podcast. And he's like, what, live? I was like, oh, my God, live? Like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what a podcast is, all right? So I just thought, fuck it, let's do it. I love it. I love it, Hippie. You just, you came in and you were like, so what's a podcast again? (laughs) It's like, well, I can't wait for you to find out. And here we are. (laughs) But you didn't have a class, you didn't have classes today. You said you had a sports day with 
with the kids, with your girls. Yeah, we yeah. had a um, we have a homeschooling here in Shagam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made up of expat kids, so a lot of mestiza kids um, who don't go to the local school, mm-hmm. um, and some of them are like not Filipino at all. They're, they're pure foreigner kids, so they can't actually go to the foreigner school or they can't go to some of the private schools because mm-hmm. you have to be Filipino accredited or something, have um, visas, I suppose, for it. So we started a school a long time ago. Um, it started off, I'd say, when my eldest daughter, who's now coming 15, when she was six years old, mm-hmm. there was no school for her to go to. The local school was not up to the standard that mm. we'd expect from the UK where I'm from. So um, I started homeschooling, buying the packages from the homeschooling program, and I was spending half my day homeschooling my kid, which yeah. is very stressful, and the rest of the day looking after my kid. And then I had another baby, and it was like looking at baby, it was too stressful. And there was about three other parents that were doing the same thing. So we decided, well, let's hire a teacher and get them to do it. Mm-hmm. And it started with three kids, and it's progressed and progressed into 21 kids now. Wow. And, yeah, we've got a little school system, homeschooling books, and, yeah, it's going good. Yeah, I love it. I mean, so everyone on the island who lives here or has been living here pretty much knows who you are. Yes. <laughs> I can't get away with anything. <laughs> I love But for those of you who don't, you're a personal trainer here on the island and you do these notoriously insane workouts, I'm going to say. Yes, he is one of my students and yes. she's very good. She's very proud. <laughs> try him, try him. So it's at SOS Gym, but now you have your own studio, Sisters of Shargal, below SOS, yes. which... I love, all the girls were obsessed with it. It's like clean, air-conditioned, smells amazing, new stuff. Right. Mirrored. <laughs> Mirrored. Mirrored. For, for the sexy Juices, dance class. everything. Exactly. You've got it covered. And you also own Cafe Loca in Cloud9, which is like an establishment here. I think I've been training with you since like 2019 or something. You started off with us, yeah. Yeah. Um, then you went missing. She went missing. <laughs> then she came back. <laughs> yes, because I was threatened by a hippie. To come back. <laughs> I'm not denying it. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think you know this, but I want to share with you how I first remember you. I don't think you know this because um, this is how I saw hippie, seeing hippie for the first time. Um so it's such a vivid memory, too, for me. But my good friend Alex, you know, and yeah. her boyfriend, um, they invited me to go surfing in, at Quicksilver, which we usually go to. Um, but this time she was like, let's go to the other break, Tahiti. And um, for those of you who know Tahiti, it's like a smash festival. So we head there. And to me, for someone who was just because this was like two or three years ago for me, who was just getting used to these cloud nine breaks, I see this woman on like a bright orange shortboard, the fittest woman I've ever seen with like abs for days and, you know, blonde dreadlocks just taking off and ripping on these like scary ass waves. And then, you know, you're just like yipping, you know, the sound like the (laughs) (laughs) and, um, you know, just like letting people know, like you got this wave and no one should take it. And I just remember thinking, like, who is this 
woman? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this woman? And like at the beginning, I was so intimidated by you. I, I'm sure a lot of people. I get are, that. A lot. Yeah, I get this so much that oh my god, the first time we see you, we're so scared of you. <laughs> really, like, but I'm hippie. Like, I'm lovely. Oh, but you look and you you come across. I come across very aggressive. I think. No, I think, no, I mean, I, I think you're just like, yeah, very confident too. And then like, I feel like as soon as I got to know you, like through the workouts and just through like overall, like being on the island, it's like, you have this like warm energy and this just like bubbly personality, oh, like super yes. fun presence that like, I know people just like want to gravitate towards. And I just like kind of love that balance between this fierceness that you have because you're like, I'm taking off on these waves. Don't effing mess with me right but then (laughs) but then you know you're it's just so great to see this positive energy as well and that knowing that there's women like you actually on this island um but I want to before we get into all of that I just want to kind of go back to the hippie origins which I think a lot of people you know I've been telling a lot of my girlfriends like they're who who's you know who's who's your next guest and I'm I'm just like okay this is a secret but it's hippie and they just go they're so stoked and I think <laughs> they're just like stop it but I think there's also a curiosity as to your you, you know the hippie origins and like how you got here in the first place and you know you were one of the first female uh like white Foreigners. Yeah. First, yeah. Can you take us back there and like what, how long ago was that? And like, how do you, what do you remember from? Wow. It's a long, long, <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> Showing my age. Um, all right. Well, you know, I get asked this question a lot. You know, um, people come here and, um, cause I, I speak Surigaran pretty well. Yeah. So a lot of the time, um, if I'm at the cafe, especially on the beach or in the surf, and I start speaking Surigao, and people, oh my God, you know, how long mm-hmm. have you been here for? And most people expect, you know, five, six years is a long time. I've been here for like 20 years. So it's a long time. And wow. Yeah. So I do get asked this question a lot, and I tend to, you know, just cut it pretty short. Basically, 20 odd years ago, was traveling the world. I'd already traveled the world for about five years, like lots of countries, just moving, moving, living in a tent, doing crazy amount of crazy jobs. The list of jobs I've done is off the chain. A lot of fun jobs. But I got to Shargao and I really liked it. It was There was nothing here back then. Mm-hmm. It was very imagine. clean, wholesomely pinoy, there was, I think, 10 foreigners in total. Um, a lot of them aren't here anymore, so a lot of them have passed. Um, some have left. Some are still here. Um, but, yeah, I remember, like, I came here with my tent and my, my work. I used to be a fire dancer with my fire stuff and set my tent up outside of Gia, near Molinam. It was, like, 150 peso a night to, like, stay. And... I really liked it. It was just, there wasn't the hustle and bustle of the rest of the Philippines. I did four months in the Philippines, and when I get off the boat in other places, other islands, straight away there's 
30 people hassling you. Yeah. You, know, you want this, get this, tricycle, blah, blah. You just felt stressed. And everywhere I went was nice, beautiful, but, you know, a couple of days I wanted to get out and, and move to a next place, move to the next place. When I got to Shagha, there wasn't that. There was... Got, in a, got on the back of a hubble-hubble. They drove me around, tried to get me to go to expensive places, mm-hmm. obviously. Used to that. But it was like, look, rich, literally my budget is 150 pesos a day. I'm broke. Yeah. You know, where can you take me? They took me down to this little place near Mother Now. Stayed there, loved it. And walking, just walking around town. It was sandy roads. There was no hassle. It was so basic and so nice. Everybody was so nice. Everybody wanted to be your friend. Everybody wanted to talk to you. Everybody wanted to go surfing with you. And, yeah, the surf, a crowded day was 10 people. 15 max was like, oh, my God, it's so crowded. I'm going to go from cloud nine to quicksilver. That was a crowded day. And everyone was lovely. And it just, I was like, you know what? I could stay here for a week instead of a day. And then a week turned into two weeks. Then I found Nine Bar, and they offered me a job and accommodation. I was like, oh, I can stay for a month or two. And then I ended up staying. Wow. And I'm still here. 20 years later. 20 years later. She's wow. still here. So we used to get up super early in the morning and either sleep in the tower mm-hmm. overnight or get up super early and we used to, like, tie like, with my dreadlocks, we used to, like, put our – important things and tie them up in my dreadlocks and paddle out, get to the tower, put it all up. Everyone's like, you know, back in the day we had the Nokia phone. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't leave my Nokia phone at home because, you know, it was still it was still a bit dodge back then. Okay. Where I was staying in a tent, I'm not going to leave my one phone <laughs> and the only money in my passport in my tent while I go surfing all day. Right. So we used to put it all in my dreadlocks and tie it that up. So and then paddle out to cloud nine. <laughs> and then we used to stash our stuff and our slippers and everything up yeah. on the top of the tower and just go surf. That's crazy. And sleep over. So many nights we just used to sleep over in the tower. When you got here, how were the reactions like of the locals? Like how were they kind of like, oh, who is this woman? <laughs> Um, okay, my nickname when I first got here was the Wok Wok. What is that? The Wok Wok is the white witch here. Stop it's, it. Yeah, it's a local local myth, story, belief. The kids really believe it. Their parents tell them, you know, if you don't do that, the Wok Wok's going to get you. If you don't come home by that, <laughs> the Wok Wok's going to get you. And the Wok Wok is a white lady. Okay. So the white lady's going to come and she steals your babies if you don't behave and she takes your kids. Okay. So when I first came, the kids were petrified of me. No. Because when I came, I had, like, jewelry all up my legs, Mm -hmm. all up my arms, all down my neck. So when I walked, I'd be barefoot with big blonde dreadlocks. So when I'd walk, it'd be like, ta-ting, 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 ta-ting. So when I'd walk around, and they'd be like, oh, my God, the walk walk's coming. And, like, kids would literally run away from me. Stop. I should but I actually not <laughs> right? Oh my god! But, like you could ask people like Marama, one of the best surfers mm-hmm. now, right? One of the champions. When he was a kid, when I first came here, he was probably two, three years old, oh. and he was petrified of me because <laughs> his parents said, "Like stay away. The what? The what? What is here now on the island?" Because I was the only white lady. That's so wild. 
And then, so after, like, how did you kind of establish yourself? You, you wanted to just stay for a few weeks and then it became years. And then now you have all of these businesses. Like, was it just kind of a, like, how, how did Cafe Loca come about? When was that kind of? Cafe Loca, we've had, I have business partners. It's not just mine. I was very lucky um, that my very good friends who were who were here about the same time as me, an Australian couple, mm-hmm. they used to own Sagana Resort, which is right next to Cafe Loca. They they were building their resort the first time I arrived. I didn't really know them when I first got here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were older couple, business people. I was hanging in a tent, being a bum, drinking tandoi and surfing and living the life. So it wasn't until um, I got pregnant with a local guy after living here for about five years. I got pregnant with a local guy and the same time as this lady did, Susan from Sagana Resort. And that Mm -hmm. brought us together because we were two foreigners living on an island, no hospital, Mm -hmm. no doctors, and we were both pregnant with our first baby. So that bonded us together. And from that, the years, the friendship became closer and closer. And then the available space at Cafe Loca came about and she had a business idea and we went 50-50. Wow. And went for it. Started off with a very small cafe. It's still a very small cafe, but we don't want to make it into a big cafe. Yeah. And we like the, the, how it's still Shagao Island. Definitely. Ten years already. And it's still eight, eight ten, maybe ten years, but it's still... Very small island, basic. Yes. We want to keep it that way. And then, and then the the trainer thing. How did that passion come about? Like with the personal training and the, you know, like the workouts that you do. But um, when I was a kid at school, shit, I was a really bad student. I'm not very into school. I'm not very into. Um, yeah, maths, English, wasn't for me. Sports, I was epic at. Yeah. So I was always sporty. Grew up grew up with a, a father, not a mum. So my dad, sports, 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 sports. So sports was always in my life. Mm-hmm. And then when I was traveling, I did my yoga training in Australia. So my first training was, um, I was a Hatha yoga instructor. So I brought yoga to the island. So we used to, I used to teach with the surface yoga, we used to do it in the tower every morning, sunrise, yoga with everybody. Yeah, so I started off as yoga, and then over the years, as the island got more busy, yoga was like, yoga took off, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there was like yoga instructors, yoga instructors. Yeah. Everywhere, but not enough people. Yeah. You guys teach yoga, I'll do something else. And I went away and I did my, my personal training course when I was away working in Guam. Did my fitness instructor course uh, as a personal trainer. And then from there, I every opportunity I get, I go away to Manila, do this Mills training. I've been to, you know, Davao and did a strong by Zumba training in England. You know, life's, anything I can do to improve my personal fitness instructors training yeah I'll pick up anything I love it for me it's it gets rid of my energy (laughs) (laughs) I know I asked you if you like ever drink coffee you're like no I'm like how in the 
Imagine me on coffee, man. Dude, like, I wake up like this. Like, I literally wake up and I'm like, right, kids, let's get up. And they're like, oh. They, they ask me for coffee. My kids are like, we have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in the morning to get up for school. And I'm already up and like, ooh, bass cat. We are ready to go by my man. So the last thing I need is coffee. Why men greater? They gotta be great. So there's this, there's this book, right, that I'm not sure you've heard of. It's called Women Who Run With the Wolves. Right. No, I haven't heard of it. Okay. It's like my Bible. <laughs> but basically, it's, so it, it, I'll just tell you a little bit about it. It makes this parallel between wolves and women and creates this wild woman archetype um, that we kind of like need to channel or reassert back into relationship with the wildish nature, which is so crucial to really knowing our truest selves and our like souls and intuition. And there's this quote when I was reading about it, it reminded me of you. And this is the quote. It says, when women hear those words, an old, old memory is stirred and brought back to life. The memory is of our absolute undeniable and irrefragable kinship with the wild feminine, a relationship which may have become ghostly from neglect, buried over domestication outlawed by surrounding culture or no longer understood anymore. We may have forgotten her names, but we, uh, we may not answer when she calls ours, but in our bones, we know her and we yearn toward her. We know she belongs to us and we to her. And I, I just read this pa- passage and I think of you because you are the wild woman. <laughs> like you are the, I feel like you're the epitome of this wild woman that doesn't give up. But I don't give a flying F's sake. <laughs> Honestly, I've been through enough shit and tried to behave and do the right thing. And it just blows up in your face. Yeah. You know? And then you try and follow things that people are like, this is how you should. No, it's not fun. It's not, you know, you've got one life. Live it. Do it. I love that. And be proud of who you are. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly that. And just I feel like... I feel like there's... And push yourself. Yeah. You can be amazed how hard you can push yourself. You know, I didn't... I didn't... I had a crazy life. Like a crazy time. Traveling. I went extreme. I'm even surprised I'm still alive. I mean, the shit I did when I was backpacking, I should be dead 20 times over. Easily. I put myself to extreme situations and I lived on the edge. Totally nuts. And that's me saying that. Then, you know, I had kids and was like, oh, you know, calm down, calm down. Because you get motherly and you've got to, you know, mama, mama, mama wolf got to look after a baby pack. <laughs> and I do. And I but then you get protective mummy. The fuck with my pack, I'll kill you. <laughs> and that's my aggressive side that I think people get intimidated by. But then as well, I then learned, like, my kids are older now and they can look after themselves. Then I'm like, okay, back to me again. And 
I wasn't until I was th- I was 38, so three years ago, I said, okay, it's me time. What can I push my body to do? And in one year, I super trained and pushed myself at the age of 30 hours and competed in all these stupid, crazy competitions and mm-hmm. did it. I was like, let's do it. Do Spartan races and paddleboard races and bikini competitions and stuff in one year and just bam, pushed my body and changed my body and it changed my life. It's to like, you can do anything if you say, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Just do it. I love that so much. And I, I hate that like too. It's like, because you're a certain way, you're quote aggressive. When guys do it, it's like, oh, like they're like this manly kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I get that a lot. Yeah. I was like, what is that? Yeah. Oh, he'd be so aggressive. Oh. Yeah. Funny, but guys out there, it's so funny how you're so intimidated by me. <laughs> Gross and balls, man. Gross and balls. No, it's so true. I, I want to know, like, when you were talking about how you were so wild before, what were some of your experiences like and, like, how it shaped you to now kind of, like, the life lessons that you have now, especially as, like, a mother and a single mother? Like, what were some of those crazy... Goodness, there is so many. I was like, I can't even imagine 20-year-old um, hippie, like, what? It's, like, off the chain. Like, I look back and I hope my kids are not listening to this because mama did a lot of shit. And I know... You know, I'd like my kids to do half of it <laughs> and, like, push yourself for the other half. Ooh, yeah, I was wild. I was wild. And, but I'm proud. It made me into who I am. Yeah. You know, I, I, one of my things that I always say is I regret nothing. Mm-hmm. Regret nothing. Regret's going to hold you back. Just, yeah, I did it. Own it. Claim it. Love it. That was me. And, yeah, I mean, I've done from cleaning elephant shit to being a stripper. Okay? So, yeah, I've gone from shit shoveling to being a stripper on a stage and being a really good stripper. Okay, back it up. When, how, where were you a stripper? When you've got no money and you live in a tent and you're stuck somewhere and there's no money and no one wants to give you a job. I love it. And you need to eat and you need to work and you need to leave the country because your visa's about to run out <laughs> in about two fucking weeks and you got to leave a country and you need a ticket or you're going to be blacklisted from that country. You put on a tea back and get your tits out. <laughs> a ticket's $300, $400, and you've got to make that. You're not going to make that cleaning glasses and partying every night. Mm-hmm. It's a miserable party. Mm-hmm. I get paid for it. Yeah. So I just used to strip for like two weeks, get the money, fly to the next country. Amazing. <laughs> That's where you get all your moves. <laughs> That's right. That's it. My, my dance moves. Daisy see my dance moves. <laughs> no, I just, I love how you carry yourself. And I love, so in that quote, it talks about like conformity. And a lot of people, especially a lot of women I see, it's like they have this idea of what is supposed to be the mother and what is supposed to be like this nuclear kind of, and I, I don't feel pressured with it, especially now I'm like at the, in my mid thirties now, but it's like, I, I think a lot of women want to know your philosophy and how you do it and how to not give a fuck really, because there's just so many, even like making the decision to live here or making the decision to choose a different life. That's not, you know, 
getting married, having kids, buying a house. It's slowly, it's not slowly. Now people are being more open to the idea that you can choose your own, like the, the, the route of, of your life. But it's like, I think people want to know what's like the secret sauce to hippies philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) There's no secret sauce. You've just got to, you know, I'll go back for a second to, um, when I had my daughter, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure every mother out there knows it, that when you have a kid, everything fucking changes. There is a love that you will never feel for your husband, your partner, your place, your job. Like, that love for your kid is undeniable. Like, I was pregnant, living in a shack on the beach with my partner at the time and three of his other surfer buddies just sleeping on our floor. We had no money, broke as fuck. And, you know, we were like, oh, it's fine. You know, we'll just give the baby and people will look after it. You know, in that, in my mind, when I was pregnant, it's fine. You know, everyone will look after the baby. I can still surf. I can still live this, you know, crazy fun life. The minute that baby was born, no one's touching that baby. No one is coming near. No, I'm not going out. I'm not going out drinking and party. Who's going to look after my baby? I don't trust anyone. I don't even trust my partner. You ain't touching my baby. It's my baby. <laughs> you know, that, that changed my life dramatically that this was now a responsibility that I've never had. Because all I had to look after was myself and I didn't give a shit. I had fun. Party, party, party. All of a sudden, yeah, baby on. So I did, like I said, spend time looking after and schooling my kids and really being a good mom but I had no money I had no money I lived in a shack and I had a newborn baby and a partner who had no money and didn't work and it was like okay I'm basically a single mom living in a third world country with a kid and I want the best for my kid I need stuff so what did I do do what I know where to make money I went away and danced (laughs) and I did that for years and years and years I would go away work I could get a visa to work in 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 the states in Guam which is not so it's still a Micronesian island I could still surf I still lived on the beach Um, I had friends over there because I'd worked there before so you know I had a secure job but I'd go over I'd teach pole dancing and I'd dance and everything I could, but I had a newborn baby with me. I didn't leave her here. I took her with me. And I did that for seven years. Wow. I would go there, work for six weeks to maximum three months, get as much money as I could, come back, build a house, build a bit, go back again, work, come back, build, build, build. And that's how I got my house and Cafe Loco. I would sacrifice everything and I didn't sleep. Oh my God. Sleep was like nothing. I'd work from, uh, I'd start work at 4 p.m. because I'd, ha- I'd do pole dancing lessons. Mm-hmm. Then the club opened at 7 and I'd work from 7 o'clock to 4 in the morning. God. And yes. then the babysitter would drop off the kid at 7 a.m. And I'd have the baby all day. And I did that for seven years. It was nuts. And it was when the second one was born. 
I was like, okay, I can't do this now. I'm homeschooling one and babysitting the other, newborn baby. I used to be at the club with breast milk pumps on on my break off stage. It was like, okay, I'm done. Wow. But I'd, I'd made enough money to build my house and I'd made enough to invest in Cafe Loco. And I was like, okay, that's it. Now I can stop working my ass off and work my ass off here in Shogun. But you will sacrifice everything for your babies. Oh, that's, it's, that's so incredible. I like, and, and just like going back to that book, it's like they talk about that, this whole, this motherly instinct, like you become like how a wolf would be if yeah. anyone were to come near the pups. The fuck with my pack. <laughs> exactly. That's incredible. Yeah. And I gave up everything. Like, you know, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't partying because I had to get up and look after my kids and homeschool my kids and, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it was hard. So what is it like now? I know a lot of people are also curious how to raise, you know, your your girls on the island. What's it like now? And, and how has that whole journey been like? It's been hard because because I've done it by myself. Um, a lot of people, I know a lot of girls here whose partners, um, they're not with their partners anymore, their local partners, um, but their family's still involved. You know, like the family still cares about the kids and, you know, if they want to go out or they need something to do, they can drop the kids off with the family. Um, I didn't have that. So I literally have brought my kids up by myself and I have to say it's been really hard. It's very hard because it's, yeah, it's you see everyone else who's got, you know, cousins and sisters and brothers off the chain and they're happily taking the babies and you can go out and I, I was very much alone but it's you know maybe stronger again me and my girls yes me and my girls are tight we're, we're sisters oh you know, it's super cute like my girls you know they tell me all the time they love me and <laughs> it makes me very emotional um but you know I'm pushy mom not pushy mum because I want the best for them and it's hard on a small island to have all the opportunities that we had growing up in mm-hmm. other countries. But I'm trying to make sure that they have opportunities like sports day today. Yeah. And going to their wakeboarding and their jujitsu and making sure that they have activities. Yeah. So I mean a lot of parents say, Oh, you're a bit of a tiger mum. Yeah, I'm a tiger mom. I'm a wolf mom. Man, my kids are rocking. Exactly. Yeah, but, you know, push them. And if they don't like it, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'll do back off and say, cool, you don't want to do it today? It's fine. Yeah. But, you know, they, they understand that they have a beautiful life here. And, you know, when they get to 18, they have an opportunity to go live with my family in England mm-hmm. for college and university, okay. like, my family is situated there, but for now, I want them with me, right? Until they're they're ready to leave the, the nest. They're my babies. No, I see. I see hints of this. So, like when you know, <laughs> even during our workouts, when you're just like, "Go, go, do it," you know, you're yelling at me. You're like, "I know you can pick up harder, does all this stuff." And then I just see like glimpses of the sweet side when you're just like, you know, like kissing Nixie on the forehead and things like. I just like, oh. Like you are, you are still a softie inside. <laughs> You're just so Don't sweet. Don't tell people. Super bitch. Super bitch. Um, no, and there's this quote also. I know I read a lot of books, and, and there's just so many things that remind me of um, 
of you and just this kind of wild woman archetype. Um, and there's this book by Brene Brown called uh, Braving the Wilderness. And in it, it says, belonging so fully to yourself that you're willing to stand alone is a wilderness, an untamed, unpredictable place of solitude and searching. It is a place as dangerous as it is breathtaking, a place sought after as as it is feared. The wilderness can often feel unholy because we can't control it or what people think about our choice or whether to venture up into that vastness or not. But it turns out to be the place of true belonging and it's the bravest and most sacred place you will ever stand. (laughs) And I love it so much because yes, you know, you speak about doing it alone, but then there's also this like beautiful community too. And, And these people I know, like even just seeing them and, um, some of the, the locals and the residents who come to your classes, they love you. They love going to your classes. You make them feel good about themselves. You make them feel empowered. Yeah, I'm proud of everyone that comes. They push themselves. They really, I'm really proud. They're like my yeah. second family. You guys are like my second family. Get me all emotional. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, it's so true because, and you know, I've tried, I don't want to say, like I've tried other workouts here in Chargao and there's like this, I guess it's like the Leo loyalty in me, but it's also like, I'm like so attached to you and I'm like, no one will do workouts like you. So I can't, I can't venture anywhere else. I'm like, Oh, what have you done to us? And like, I told you, I like I told you before my friend Kat was doing burpees at a party because she was like, hippie. Right. <laughs> I've had so many people get drunk. At parties that are my workout crew, and all of a sudden, like a song's come on, and they know it from workout, and they start doing the routine, <laughs> like a workout routine, and people start following them. Like, oh, hippie would be proud. Yeah, if you <laughs> ingrained this in our minds, and I, our have, I have. But um, I'm very proud of all of you. Yeah, and like this whole idea of community, and like, how can you describe the Shardell community and what that's been like for you? Like, kind of. You're an establishment. You can't deny that. You are like hippie. Like my friends were like, oh my God, you're, you're interviewing the queen. I'm like, yes, <laughs> the queen of Chargao. <laughs> what's up, what's up? <laughs> Like what's, what's that been like? Like what, how can you describe that? The Chargao community, this island community? There is nothing like Chargao community. I mean, like I said, I've traveled the world. I have done so many things in my life. But when I first came here, I felt the community even before they knew who the fuck I was and they thought I was the walk walk. <laughs> they were still nice to me. You know, when I got in the surf, everyone was nice to me. Manette, Naldi, Wilma, Carlito, the old school surfers, they took me under their wing. But now, I mean, I really feel I'm part of the community. My mom says, uh, when she comes to visit, she says, I'm like a big fish in a small pool. Mm. And I've got a lot of personality. I've been here a long time. I know a lot of everything because I've been here for so long. People contact me, where can I get this? How can I get that? Who do I speak to? And it is that. And, and I know the community. I know, oh, yeah, you talk to that person about getting it. It's, it's, it's a very community basis, Shagow. And I think... What's made it a lot tighter for me was when we were doing the lockdown. Yes. Lockdown was really hard on everyone. And we have in Cafe Loco, we could still stay open for takeout. So it was nice that we still had people who could still come to the beach 
mm-hmm. and get out because they would go to Cafe Loca and I would be there all day. You know, just all that, just to, just to see people. Mm-hmm. And I would work with my kids. We, we would work Cafe Loca with the staff just so people had somewhere to go and have a friendly face to talk to and just brighten up their day a little bit, even if they're only allowed to stay for five minutes. 10 minutes while they're ready for their food, it was still somewhere to come and have a conversation, which was nice. And because I live across the road, it was, we didn't mind hanging there all day to just talk to people and just make people's day. Yeah. You know? And it was, it was nice. People were really struggling and you'd see the, you know, the stress and they'd come with their kids and I'm like, it's fine. Just play badminton. Yeah. For 10, 15 minutes, let the kids play. Yeah. yeah, they're fine. They're socially distanced. You're waiting for your takeout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, but here as well. Um, yeah, community wise, one of the things I have to say which cracks me up is I have a car, and if anybody who knows me, car, knows my little blue car with the big eyelashes and the flowers all over it. So sometimes I lend my car to my friends, <laughs> uh, Meg and. Marty. <laughs> they like to borrow my car sometimes if they need to do special errands. And I always get this when they come back. It's like, oh, my God, it's brilliant when we borrow your car because everybody waves at you. <laughs> everybody yells. Totally. Some people even try and do the old... Um, like side by side. No, no, yeah, we do the side by side. Like uh-huh. come up on the side, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, "Whoa, hippie, hippie!" Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. looking like, "Okay, that's not hippie." There's Marty sitting in there, or you know when you do what's it, chicken? You know you try. Oh and yeah, and yeah. Some chickens use, oh and it's car to car, car to motorbike, and they're like fully coming. Imagine Mary <laughs> sitting in the car, and then someone's driving straight at her. She's shitting herself, and then they realize that's not hippie, <laughs> and they swerve away. She's like, "It happens every time." She's like, "I love it." I kind of also hate it. Right. <laughs> it's scary. Like it's freaking out. Yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, my car's well known. My rainbow trike's well known. Your house. My house is rainbow well known. Yeah. What's, is there like a symbolism behind all the rainbows? I love it. It's just like just colors. I, I, I don't have a favorite color. <laughs> so, you know, they were like, I, I'd spent three years building that house. Like yeah. I went to Guam and worked my literal tits and ass off yeah. to build this house, big, big ass house yeah. for my family because it had a gym in and everything. And I worked my ass off for that. And then it was like, okay, what are we painted? I couldn't decide on a color. Yeah. So it had stars and rainbow doors and let's just paint it rainbow colors. <laughs> Why the fuck not, right? I mean, you can't miss it when you pass by. You're like, oh, Hippie's house. If you say, come to Hippie's house. The Rainbow House. Oh, yeah, we know that. Star windows. (laughs) It's so you. I love my house. (laughs) I do love my house. Yeah. What can you hear me now? <laughs>
We are we are two bottles in now. We gotta get down and dirty. Yeah, we're two bottles in to the winery of our souls. <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> um, so you know these girls because we work out. We all work out together, and I was like, I'm gonna be recording with Hippie. Are there any burning questions? Ooh, the that day you have coming out. That you have for him. Because they were like, she's like telling me two bottles of wine. <laughs> the dirty questions are coming. I tricked her, I tricked her. Um, but no, really. So one of them was from our girl Nikki. She was just like, this is the this is the the message she sent. What is love, hippie? What is love, caps lock? <laughs> What's love got to do, got to do it? That's pretty much whenever I hear the word love, I think, what's love got to do with it? There's no love. There's no love apart from for your own children. Okay? When you, you feel, that's when you feel love. I need a sip. Yeah, you're going to need a sip for this. Because 100 billion percent, that is real love. You would love them unconditionally, whatever. I've been in love. I thought I was in love. So you have been in love. Well, I thought I was in love. I was in love with the thought of what I could make the person into or the thought of what love would be. Like I loved the person I thought at the time, but it wasn't love of them. Like I love my kids, it was more love of here, like Shagao. Yeah, the, the person I'm talking about, I was in love with. I thought I was in love with at the time, but it was more of love of the place with the person in it, and the oh. fact that were they could do things that I couldn't do. Simple examples, like I was amazed they can climb a coconut tree. Oh my god, you know. And you know, I didn't speak the language, so I needed them and they would like translate stuff, but how did I know what they really translated me was real, you know? It's just you fall in love with the place and the person. But when you stay in the place for a long time, you realize it's not the person you're actually in love with, it's more of the place. Whoa. That's what hit me. So I don't think I've ever actually been in love with a male or female form apart from my kids. That's wild. And I, I honestly relate to you so much because I think I love, I, I feel the same way because I think I love the idea. The idea of, of that person. I see, yeah, I see so many girls. Uh, trust me. Um, with the long time that I've been here, so many girls have come to me and been like, oh my God, you know, I'm so in love, la, la, la. And they get pregnant and they're like, oh, you know, so like, what advice can you give me? And I'm like, dude, like, and I tell them the truth. And I say, I hope it works out for you. But, you know, realistically, they will not change. When that baby comes along, Shagao Island boys will be Shagao Island boys. They do not change from being Shagao Island boys. You will end up bringing that kid up alone. I've had about four or five girls that I know. No, no, we're different. We're different. All of them now, single moms, 
looked after their kids. Most of them have left the island and gone back to their own countries mm-hmm. to look after their kids, or they're still here and every day is a stress. Mm-hmm. And the biggest stress is their ex-partners because they don't want to see them. They don't want to pick them up. They're still island boys. They're Peter Pan's. It's crazy. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. That's, it's, it is That's a little bit down. of a reality. Yeah, it's a reality, reality check, reality people. Check. Sorry. Sorry to bring it down. <laughs> Yay-ho. Yay-ho. It's reality. Shut The environment here isn't exactly, like, conducive to, you know, to, it's a playground, really, at the end of the day. It's a funny stage. You can wake up and just sunrise. Everyone's asleep. I'm going to sneak up for a surf. Okay, sneak up for a surf. But then come back. But then I, oh, I know if I go back, she's going to make me watch the baby so she can go surf. Why well, don't want to do that? So they just don't come back. Well, all my friends are drinking beer, so I'll just sit on the beach and drink beer. And then they come back drunk and wonder why you're mad at them. Yeah. And that's what gets us. As a foreigner woman here, that's what gets us, is they have no concept of why we're angry. Left me at home with the baby for nine hours with no food. No rice, no nothing. I've had to go to town with a newborn baby and get food and cook for us. And then you come home, where's the food? Where's the motherfucking slap in the face is what you're going to get. And they don't understand why. That's Peter Pan syndrome. Hippie, let's top you off. (laughs) You like this one? (laughs) She likes a little bit of my serious chismes. Okay, so... Another one of our girlfriends have asked, I think it was my friend Kat, has asked, would you ever want to be in a relationship? Never. Come on. No. Hundred fucking percent, no. I will be in a relationship when I am 18 years old, and I will be in a relationship with my best friend. We've already discussed this. My kids are going to fuck off at the age of 18. Hopefully, please fuck off at the age of 18. <laughs> and then my plan is to enjoy my 50s. I'll be 50 by then. Enjoying my time still. But then we've already have, we have a group of us. We're called the uh, Girls of Attitude. <laughs> we used to be called something else, but I can't say it on here. Why not? Because it's super offensive. Okay. <laughs> so, us girls with attitude, we're older women who are all single mm-hmm. and have kids in or showdown. don't have kids in showdown. Okay. And we're already looking at a plot of land between us to buy for a retirement home. Aww. And we will all have our own little place and we'll have a big pool and a bar in the middle. And we will have sexy young boys look after us. <laughs> and that's how we will live out the rest of our days. So why would we want a relationship when you can fucking do it with your best buddies and drink and party and fuck? I love that. But this is what we've already prepared it. All of us are like, none of us want relationships. No, but to be honest, like even like I've had the best relationships with my girlfriends, not romantic ones, but they're yeah, the but ones that the, will be loyal to the you. The loyal, the time, and if you want sex, you just go get it. It's, <laughs> this is the thing, girls, girls, if you're listening, you have all the power. 
not just in your JJ, you have it in your mind, okay? So you have to remember, you are strong, you're independent, and you can do anything you want. And those little men, they're just there for you, for you. Keep that in your mind. That's going to keep you happy for the rest of your life. Honestly, strong women, stay strong. You are in charge, not them. That gave me chills because it also reminds me, I don't know if you watch Sex in the City. I'm a big Sex in the City fan. Love it. But she said, there's this one quote I will always remember. She said that, why can't we, why can't guys just be the thing that you have fun with and your girlfriends are soulmates? Something like this. That is the whole point of life. I do love that. And I love that's, there's different types of love. This is it. And it's a very strong type of uh, like bond that you can't have with anyone else, you know, with your friendships, with your girlfriends. Yeah, your friendships, your family. Okay, the first one would be if you had kids, your kids is mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And then your relationship with your friends and your family. Your friends come before your family. Your love, your friendship. If you yeah. get a good group of friends, right. they're your girls. They got your yes. back on a day-to-day basis. I hear you. Your family... They got you if you really need them. Mm-hmm. Your guy, you're never going to get you. It's, it's non-existent. You need to keep what's close to you closest. Mm-hmm. And your friends, you get a good group of friends, you love them, you respect them, and you're always there for them. They need something, bam, you are there. Because you know what? Because there's no man to back them up. And most of the time, us women, we're not alone we got kids. Mm-hmm. I have so many friends that have kids. And it really hurts me that, they, you know, sometimes they're like, I'm so sick. Can you please come get my kids? They're two fathers. Mm-hmm. Don't even answer the phone because yeah. they don't want the responsibility. That's when your buddy mouth fades in. Because yeah. you understand, sisterhood is forever. I'm sisterhood forever in showgirl. I will back up any of my bitches. You know who you are, girls with attitude. <laughs> I love that's like sis, the sisters of Shargal. It's like this sisters of Shargal. If you posted something and said, I, if I was to say on sisters of Shargal, this is our workout group chat. <laughs> if I was to say, I'm sick today, can somebody come and get my kids because I'm alone? If I was like COVID something, <laughs> or if I had tonsillitis, I wouldn't want to give it to my kids. I guarantee 10 to 15 of you would all yes. come and be like, we'll get your kids. Yeah. It's not a problem. That's our crew. Yeah. Oh, this is a shark out. <laughs> I, I want to have, I have one last question to ask you and it's, I, I'm, I'm going to start being cheesy again, but it's like, we look up to you and you're just like this amazing soul that we strive for this wild woman. That's not, not afraid to be your truest self. And I think like, a lot of women struggle to be like that. A lot of people have these pressures from society, a lot of pressures from their families. Yeah. And you're this like purest form of what it's like to be your truest self and like this wild woman. And it's like, I don't know if you have any advice or any, anything that you um, wanted. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I, oh, would yeah. like, I would like to say that girls, remember who you are in your middle. Okay. In your middle. A lot of you have kids a lot of you don't have kids. You might be in an abusive relationship or you might be in a relationship that every day you wake up and like, 
I'm trying to make this change, but he's just annoying me and annoying me. Don't waste time. Your time, you only have a certain amount of time. Why spend it being unhappy? If you are not happy, wake up tomorrow. Do you know what? F it. F it all. I'm going to get up, take what's important to me, and make a change today. And I will never go back. I was in a bad relationship, and because I had a kid, I kept saying, oh, maybe he'll change in the next three weeks. Oh, man. No. I met another friend of mine who was in the same relationship, and we met, and we said, this is it. Together, we're going to stop and leave. If you have him back, I get to punch you in the face. If I have him back, I get to punch you in the face. Right? And we stopped. And we never had him back. Because we made a sisterhood together to just stop it. To just stop. If you're not happy with the guy or the situation, change it. Your life is short. There are so many things you can do in your life. And when you change your life... It might take six months to nine months of feeling a little bit bad and like getting used to change. But when you change, you'll see a whole new light in yourself. And you can do anything, anything in the world. You look online, I want to do that. A childhood dream, I want to do that. Just do it. Life is too short. Respect yourself. Fuck others, man. Respect yourself. Get it done. Peace out. Drop the mic at the hippie. (laughs) Thank you so much to hippie. I mean, you're just the best and you continue to inspire me and so many women on this island with your strength and fearlessness. As a side note, if you haven't tried hippies workouts at Sisters of Shargao and Malino, you really should. Trust me. It's, it may be intense in the beginning, but the results are amazing and it's just so much fun and super motivating and it'll just feel so good after working with these group of amazing women as well, I promise. We officially have a Patreon page, so head on over to patreon.com slash stories for exclusive content from the podcast, never before heard sound bites and stories from our guests, and so much more. We can't fit everything in one episode, so this is the perfect kind of place for it. A huge thanks to Lucas from Oido Studio, that's O-I-D-O Studio in Gawagoa, for the recording space and my friend Godwin for his sound and audio magic. Sending lots of light and love from Shargao. Bye for now.